0: Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer, Stephen Serta. Chiefs looking to bounce back against the Patriots in Week 15 after a tough loss to the Buffalo Bills. We'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show discussing their marinated takeaways from Week 14. After that, it's out of structure just airing out some frustrations and looking at some positives even in the Chiefs' loss. After that, is Chiefs coast-to-coast diving into our first game preview of the week between the Chiefs and Patriots. Then we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll catch up with the Great British Chiefs show, diving a little deeper into that Chiefs and Patriots matchup. Then we'll wrap things up with Show and BK discussing what the Chiefs need to do when they have the ball on Sunday to come away with the win. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week.
1: Well, I'm going to let this marinate.
2: You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back.
3: Adapt. React. Readapt. It takes time. It takes years.
4: <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, Steve Serta, helping us behind this virtual glass. He'll be joining us in probably like 10, 15 minutes or so for a brief roundtable. But first, we have... Our world-famous marinated takeaway, sometimes even more popular after a loss, and the Chiefs have had a lot of losses lately, something we're not really used to, John. They have lost the last three out of the four games and the last four out of the six, so some true adversity here as we get into throwing distance uh, stone wise from the playoffs, and so let's get into what maybe we had learned from this particular loss, of 2017 L to the Buffalo Bills, and we'll As we usually do, start with your take. John, what do you got for us?
5: Um, I thought it was interesting yesterday that the Chiefs' offense actually looked pretty good, except for the turnovers. You know, in that first drive, they're going right down the field, just like you would expect them to do uh, early in the game, like we've grown accustomed to them doing early in the game. And they were looking great until what was almost a fluke interception. you know, you don't often see a batted ball be, you know, caught by a defender and it becoming a, an interception. Certainly not by the guy who actually batted the ball. Um, and of course, that's right on Mahomes. You're you got to be responsible to see that that's about to happen, and you know, not throw the ball where it can be batted that way. Right. So it's all on him. I'm not saying that to to take uh, responsibility away from Mahomes. But up until that moment, that drive was looking pretty good, and that was mostly true of the drive that ended with uh, Rasheed Rice's fumble as well. It didn't go on quite as long or get quite as far down the field, but the Chiefs were moving the ball. The Chiefs are going to have some drives that are four and outs and three and outs in a game because that's what happens in the NFL. But it's not as if the offense was just putrid all day on Sunday. They actually were able to move the ball. There was one case where they stalled in the red zone, which has been a problem. But in other cases, they didn't. And uh, so I was largely happy with what the offense did, except for the the mistakes.
4: I thought the offense looked good. I, I know that it only turned into 17 points, but I mean, it, it's been... Uh... It's been borderline miserable at times, and mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's what's the frustrating part about this game. Is I I thought it looked pretty good. I mean, I really did. I, you know, I, after that that initial uh, drive, you, you know, you you started to say, say to yourself, okay, uh, maybe this can work. It seemed like they were finally leaning into Tony. You know, I mean, whether that was a health thing, and I, you know, we don't need to bring up that last part again. But I, it seemed like he was. <laughs> he was um healthy enough to me to at least be a you know part of the offense you have three straight punts then finally you break through for that touchdown uh and then another touchdown after the break and you ended up putting up 346 net yards i mean if you you look at the yards per game of the best teams in the league that's that's probably within the top 10 and so that that's a pretty good offensive yeah. outing and you broke through a little bit offensively. I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm not saying it looked like the old Chiefs. I'm not saying it's where they need to be or where they need to go. Right. But it was mm-hmm. good enough to beat the Bills. And I, I think that is what uh, was really frustrating. My merited takeaways today, I have one negative one, and then I, I get back to positivity. But here's what how I feel right now about, about this uh, this Chiefs-Bills scenario. I think it's a shame also, and here's my initial takeaway, because it, it was a completely wasted, uh, brilliant performance from LeJerry Sneed and Trent McDuffie. I mean, mm, yeah. you look at this team, the only player that could really do damage because they were covering everybody else was James Cook. Right. And like you, we've talked about this before, the Chiefs kind of sacrifice running back production sometimes. Or it's like, you, know, you get yours. We're just going to make sure these guys who can't who can really damage us aren't, aren't going to kill us. And. I saw LaJarius Snead on on Stefan Diggs for most of the night. I believe he only allowed one target when he was lined up on him, but altogether it was four receptions for 24 yards. They'll take that every time against yep. Stefan Diggs. And then even digging even further, Gabe Davis was held without a catch. Notice Trent McDuffie on him most of the night. And so you completely waste this performance by your slow start uh, both offensively and defensively and you kept the Bills alive. This was a bury the Bills game. I mean, they lose this game because of their lack of tiebreakers and all their AFC losses. They're pretty much done, right? Like you're not going to come back from six and seven and find a way to make the playoffs, especially with all these eight and five and seven and six teams in the AFC. It just would have been too tall a task. And what you open yourself up for, because I... Uh, a beacon of positivity. Think that they can beat Easton Stick and the rest of the law <laughs> firm the next four games. And I think that that probably will open up the door for the Chiefs to get the second seed. And you left the door open for this 2 7 matchup against the Buffalo Bills in the first round of the playoffs, which you never have to play in, but it seems like you probably could have to play in now uh, for a. No, a wild card matchup. Now the Bills have a tough road ahead, and that's not a given. But I, you just left the door open. It's like you leave, you know, um, you made you made this beautiful Thanksgiving dinner, and somehow you left the back door open, and animals got in, and just you know ruined it all. And so you were right there to bury the Bills. The, how annoying have the Bills been over the years? You have these outstanding performances from probably the best tandem of cornerbacks in the NFL, top two cornerbacks in the Jerry scene and Trent McDuffie It's two really good wide receivers, two really good weapons. And you find a way to lose that game, uh, be it that final sequence or even just a slow start or just everything all together. I just think that's such a frustrating aspect of this one for me, John.
5: I, I completely agree. Um, they were spectacular. And, uh, you know, to say that they were going to stop uh, Gabe and Stefan, I mean, what else do you need to do in order to beat the bills? And, uh, you know, sure. James cook, uh, put up some scores in the, put up that score in the first quarter Mm -hmm. and had what, 140 some yards in the game. And that's, you know, that's bad, but that's not enough to beat the chiefs. I've said this many times, you know, uh, it'd be great to stop the run so that the passing game isn't effective, but the run by itself, isn't going to beat the chiefs, not the way the chiefs have been constructed over the years. So I think that uh yes this was an example uh of the chiefs saying we don't really care what james cook does we don't and really that, care that they're emphasizing him because that's not going to matter with us to us
4: and, and just going back to that point so like the bills have the cowboys chargers patriots and dolphins left like not a guarantee that they they themselves can win out but i believe they're only within one or two points and they're spread against the cowboys so that's essentially a, a coin flip type of game and they're hosting the cowboys and the cowboys as great as they looked last night against the Philadelphia Eagles, they've been a little bit up and down, especially early on in the year. Mm-hmm. If they get that one. Like, I just don't like that this could come back to the Chiefs. So the Chiefs, I, I really think they will be the number two seed at this stage. And so who's that number seven and you've enabled the bills to go on this mad tear. And like, let's say they are able to run the table. Are you going to really want to face a Buffalo bills team after they've won five games in a row, including the one against you to start it in the bill in the same building. I, I just, I don't know. Mm. I think sometimes, especially against contenders and the Bills of this contender who underperformed all year, bury them. And I they, they weren't able to do it. Anyway, that's my negative uh, takeaway. I promise it gets more positive from here. Uh,
5: John, <laughs> uh, let's go to your next one first. Well, I was also uh, frustrated by one aspect of the game, uh, but this was on the offensive side in of the ball. How awful was the fact that the Chiefs put Kadarius Toney on the field in exactly the way that he is the most effective. They put him out there in an unusual play where he's out in space and is going to get the ball with nobody around him (laughs) and in all probability a way to work his way all the way to the end zone. And it worked. In fact, you mentioned the snow globe play before being overshadowed by the penalty. Kadarius Tony scored on that play too. And it was called back The same kind of a situation. They found something that would really work for him and it worked. And then it's called back for a penalty in this particular case, especially ironic because the penalty was against him yeah. before, <laughs> before the ball was even snapped. So, I mean, that's just so frustrating um, that, that, but it shows that the team recognizes uh, that they can't just make him the number one wide out you know, that they have to find the spots where he can help them the most. And, and that certainly was one, I think. Yeah. I, I
4: actually have a takeaway that that's piggybacking off that. And it it does get into a little bit of the snap counts, but I, I think we've looked at wide receiver snap counts all year, especially because the wide receivers have been under the microscope. And I think each week we pull them up and like, you have one reason or another like these like don't make sense. These continue to not make <laughs> sense. Like what are we bl- like? Are we blind? Are we just not football savvy? Do we not? Uh- and I thought finally the snap counts, how they came out in the wide receiver room last night made sense with what we've been seeing all year. So I'll read them to you quickly. Rice at 56, 20 more snaps in the next wide receiver. That is, is what the chiefs mm-hmm. should have. Yep. And the next wide receiver was, uh, Justin Watson with 36 I know Justin Watson isn't the sexiest player but you know what they really trust him to run the routes and so yeah. you understand why he is the the second receiver on that list then it's Kadarius Tony an explosiveness that none of the rest of the receivers have he gets 29 snaps I really like that he was involved and you could see the difference when he's touching the ball and he's healthy and he's able to do things that other receivers in the room can't. And 29 really feels like the sweet spot. I don't think he should be getting as many as Rasheed Rice because Rasheed Rice is very far and wide, the better wide receiver. And so 29 just behind Watson, that makes sense to me. Sky Moore and Valdez Scantling, they had 23 and 22 respectively, about the same. And with how disappointing they have been, they should have less than the rest of these receivers. Mm-hmm. And they have seen, they've shown uh, no sign of the Tony upside that maybe we've seen. And then even Richie James comes in the 11. Not great. I actually would like to see more from Richie James, but you still understand they're easing him back into the offense after he was injured. He had four snaps last week. So now he has 11. So it comes out Rice, 56, Watson, 36, Tony, 29, Sky Moore 23 and Valdez, Scantling, 22 this Gantley continues to disappoint. I think that should get less and less, despite how much he makes. We've said that on the podcast before. And this seems to be, again, that sweet spot for the receivers. And I, 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 I'm I, annoyed by this game because the final sequence and all this hoopla with the press conference and the penalty and Mahomes at the ref, and it, it's kind of overshadowing that I think the Chiefs offense quietly made progress here and quietly yeah. is making decisions yeah. that, at least in our eyes, are, are making sense. And, uh, you know, nobody wants to hear this after a, a a gut punch loss, and especially with how much losing the Chiefs have been doing lately. But I I think it really was a, a really big step in the right direction for this is the Chiefs offense isn't going to be as great as previous championship teams, but serviceable, like good enough to where if the defense plays well for you, you could see where they can win a title uh, now um, and nobody will be talking about that because of that disaster at the end
1: all that to say uh yeah I, I think i think it's 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 cool that we that we you know we we let andy and pat get that frustration out you know right we we let them you know express it they both kind of you know were you know andy was like hey you know i'm not trying to make excuses you know i'm just you know was trying to explain you know why you know it, it, it was going down the way it was so I think, uh, I, I think that's good, but people were still, you know, we still upset with Tony. I mean, people were, uh, were, were in the mentions uh, in the comments at AP definitely upset with Tony for lining up uh, offside stags. I know you heard, heard about that.
6: Yeah. You know, I, and I told, this is maybe the first time I've ever done this on Twitter. I said, Hey, uh, bright guy, NFL wonder kind on Twitter. Why didn't we would love to know why Kadarius Tony didn't make the losers list. And I said, hey, let's let's talk about that this week, because, you know, as I go through and make that list every week, first of all, it's it's immediately game that I'm writing those. So it's not there are some things that are hard to tell, you know, without a further review. Um, and I called that out this week, even as I talked about, you know, some of the coverage issues, um, you know, the the fact that uh, the Bills running back James Cook was mm-hmm. wide open a couple times. It's hard to attribute that to any one particular player. I mean, you know, in the moment. But if you look at the game from Kadarius Tony, take a step back and say, you know, production-wise, he was involved in the offense more than he has been. And in fact, this was his most productive game of the 2023 season. <laughs> that that's, that's hilarious. first of all, not a strong testament to his season, but this was his most productive game and his best play of the day didn't count because of penalty right? So it had, had that called not happened in that way, you're talking about him scoring a touchdown on a spectacular play, having two rush, uh, two rushes. One of them went for 14 yards, three catches on four targets, um, including a he couple. Did, he did chance. drop a pass, which would have been, it was, a, it wasn't a
1: kind of a crucial kind of kill to drive uh, sure. on, a, on a second and long would have made it third and short ended up being third and 12.
6: Yeah. Hey, this is not a Kadarius Tony fanboy uh, cheerleading uh, a podcast or article <laughs> at this point. I mean, this is this is somebody who's who's had a really rough season. Somebody who the Chiefs said was their number one wide receiver and has performed like a number five wide receiver all season, and and at best, and and that's certainly frustrating. But reading down the list of these questions, uh, so we talked about Bright Guy. Um, panchenko in 1970 they can't keep putting tony on the field i mean no no way right and eric h 835 why hasn't tony been cut already it's already nine forty five a.m <laughs> i would think they would get out of bed sooner than that it's not a good look for mahomes and reed to complain about the call when tony was damn near on the defensive line we all learned to line up when we were eight years old uh you <laughs> know <laughs> Which well, is praised, Eric. By the way, I, I appreciate your your uh, prose there, but it, it is to me a little bit probably unfair to say, you know, this is all on Kadarius Tony. As Thomas Ramirez pointed out, what was worse, the offsides on Kadarius Tony, or the uh, or sorry, or the offsides that they didn't call on Von Miller? Mm-hmm. Um, you can go through this game and find a lot of calls that didn't go the right way or should have gone a different way. Again, coming back to this, not that it's biased, but maybe is not the, the highest level of competency from the officiating. If you look at uh, some of the false start calls, you know the there was a there's been some some footage on Twitter this week of of both Bill's tackles you know, jumping early in the same way that they they always call Joan Taylor for every single week. So you know, that kind of stuff is frustrating. But, again, whether you want to blame Tony, you want to blame the refs, we can't sit here and, and, and say that this was a fluke, that this was a, you know, they'd have a perfect season if not four because, <laughs> because they, they now have five losses. Yeah, no, we're
1: burying we're, – you know, the, the thing we're – the lead we're burying is that, you know, they are only one game up in the division. They are, you know, two games back in the one seed – uh you know that's where the frustration boiled over. I mean, you mentioned the frustration boiling over with these losses, but it's because I mean they are just anybody now in the playoff picture they are not they're not know. the front runner anymore yeah that's no. for sure
6: and, and and I think that does go back to your point of of this is not a new issue. this is not right. uh you know whether he's lined up off he's clearly lined up off sides in that play, yes. yes, but the drops the the penalties, the turnovers have been an issue all season in every one of the losses. You can attribute it directly to those three things. And this is no exception. So you, know, you, you beat your head up against the wall because the exact same thing happens every single week. And, and, and again, you get to a situation where the Chiefs have the ball and there's a f- couple minutes left on the clock. All they have to do is drive the field and score and they win. And you look at the guy next to you, and do you say, "Oh, here we go, Chiefs are about to win this game," or do you say, "Oh God, what's going to go wrong here?" And and I I know I had the "what's going to go wrong here" feeling this week uh, when they got to that last drive. Something something was going to go wrong. They were not going to score and win that game, uh, even though <laughs> they have the MVP and, and and other pieces that that should that should give you some confidence.
1: Yeah, no, I think. The one thing we've talked about it before, but like these late game situations and and it just being consistently untrustworthy now. You know, one of my favorite national podcasts I listen to is Ryan Rosillo, and you know he always says his favorite thing about one of his favorite football things is just you know Mahomes in the last four minutes of a game, just what is he gonna do? And you know he opened his pod this week saying you know it's not you know i i it's not fun anymore you know it, it it really isn't like you know i you know mahomes has lost me you know it used to be my favorite thing in football now it's you know one of the most discouraging things in football and it's not cuz of mahomes like mahomes did not lose superpowers like yeah, even superpowers. if he misses passes even if he you know is you know is timid in the pocket at times where it's like hey you should you know read through it's it's all because he is uncomfortable with who he's throwing to and and maybe who's around him as a pass as pass protectors too, but uh, I think for the most part the line's doing well. He had a rookie left tackle this week, and we're going to talk about him as a winner here here in a second. But the last point I want to make on the on the the blow up from Mahomes and Reed is no one better make this out to be like some you know uh, like difference from Mahomes from like Bra- you know Brady did this all the time, <laughs> but this is this is this is what hyper-competitive athletes do you know there was a uh, clip going around of of the of the time uh, it was monday night football they didn't call defensive pass interference on on keekly against gronk in the end zone brady rides the ref yelling at him screaming at him coming off the field walks with him into the tunnel and is just and just hollering at him with a red face like this is what hyper competitive athletes do. So it's it's definitely not anything like anyone saying like oh I lost respect for Mahomes is kind of just being ridiculous
6: in my opinion. Yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. But we go back to this Okay, one more thought on this game before we move on to to the rest of the topics. What aspects of the game would lead you to believe, lead you to believe that they lost this 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 particular contest? Mahomes outplayed Josh Allen for the most part. Would you agree with, or disagree with that statement? I would
1: agree with that statement. Yes, I would.
6: Statistically, it's true. You know, uh, in in just about every category, they both had one touchdown, one interception. Mahomes averaged more yards per attempt, more yards total, higher QBR, higher rating overall. No, you're right. 100%. Or higher rating overall, yeah. So, uh, fine. So, Mahomes wasn't bad. That wasn't the reason they lost. Uh, they, they were missing Isaiah Pacheco, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire stepped in and played his best game of the season. Not that he was spectacular, but he ended up with around 70 total yards. Made some made some good plays. Jared McKinnon k- kicked in and looked had his best game of the season, I thought. Looked the most spry we've seen him in a bit. Between those two guys, they filled the void. The running game was passable, right? Yeah. For the most part. All right. Uh, was the defense terrible in this game?
7: Yeah.
6: They gave up 20 points to Buffalo. They settled in for sure. They settled in they Had three sacks. You know, the second you know, half
1: was a different story for sure.
6: They, they forced a turnover, you know, a, a nice interception by Mark Connor. Uh, yeah. The second half, they figured out how to get some pressure. Sure. They let, uh, you know, James Cook cook a little bit more than what he should have been. But overall, the defense was did, did enough that the, they should have won this game. Did they make a big special teams mistake? No, Harrison is still perfect on the season, and Richie James had one of his best returns of the year with a 25-yard punt return. Yeah, that was good. Why did they lose this game, Ron? And <laughs> <laughs> how do you come no, up
1: short at home when none one of one thing majors? you didn't mention there uh, <laughs> was there a position one, group
6: I left out? I, I'm trying to I'm trying to count here.
1: And you and 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 this is where we can get into winners and losers and start with you know you had the losers as again you didn't feature Tony but one of them was coaches Andy Reid, Matt Nagy, and wide receivers coach Connor Embry. And at this point, I've been someone that's been kind of saying, look, like, you know, hey, Embry, like, let's not, like, target any – like, it's it's not his <laughs> fault that the receivers are bad. At this point, anyone involved with the receivers deserves, you know, fault, blame. And, you know, I'm not saying – like, some people are like, you got to fire Embry. That's what's going to change it. I'm not – that's – I don't think that's the case. But, you know, something got, something has to change because that really was – And the theme of this theme of this game was the pass offense being abysmal. Again, they only completed one pass uh, out of five throws, 20 or more yards downfield Uh, Mahomes on non play action dropbacks averaged only 5.4 yards per attempt. A lot of his success came on, uh, you know, screens, uh, quick screens or play action passes. Anytime it was just, all right, guys, I'm a drop back. You're going to get open. If it wasn't a quick pass, it, Rarely worked. Um, and and you know, you saw that on the third and 12 incompletion early to MBS. You saw that on you know, Rice, he threw it low to Rice in in the end zone, which they scored on that drive anyway, so that was okay. Um, and Sky on one, you know, he threw at his feet because Sky's just drifting in the route. It's just and Sky's a loser for you. I'm glad you you pointed that out. It was his only target of the game, and and he still, two years in for week 14, still cannot, for whatever reason run a crisp route where Mahomes thinks he's going to be it is just crazy you know you think you know I when when it happens to rice I excuse it more what the happens to sky it's just mind-boggling mm-hmm. and so yeah I think the real theme of this game and and you highlighted them in the losers really was just anybody involved in the pass offense uh, and outside of outside of Mahomes because I think Mahomes did his best he made a few really nice throws the rice touchdown was really great um there was just a lot the of nothing on, on and third receivers. long you know, yeah, was that was a really, great play. Good play uh, by Kelsey, too, but Mahomes finding him.
6: Yeah, I mean, that. it really doesn't come down to, like, one game worth of failure to me. To me, the fact that it has not gotten any better. Like, exactly. Rasheed Rice is developing, and, and he's doing enough to overcome any – if he has a drop every game, but he still puts up 80 yards on 10 targets, then that's 100% right. success. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. Um, if Sky Moore drops his only target of the game or misses his only target of the game, then he's not contributing anything. And it's not just Sky Moore. Uh, MVS is still exactly the same guy he's always been. It's a 50-50 shot at best if you target MVS in his career. And this year is no different, but he's lacking the big plays that make up for it. You tolerate that stuff when somebody's a playmaker. If they're not being a playmaker – and they're still making all the same mistakes that they've always made, and they're not getting better, that, to me, becomes a coaching issue. Whether it is a lack of development of those particular players, it's a schematic thing where they're not putting them in the the easiest possible position to succeed, or it's it's an issue where the coaches need to sit somebody on the bench and play somebody else who can be in the right spot and, and catch the passes thrown to them. One way or the other, this wide receiver room continues to be the same amount of a problem it has been literally since the first week of the season. And we're in week 14.
8: Let's get to our Chiefs uh, preview.
9: Stop it. Stop it. You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come
2: on, give us a sneak preview.
4: Chiefs preview.
8: Oh man, there's no way they can lose this game.
9: <laughs> just, I,
8: I, I, there's no way, right? Like, everything is going wrong. The sky is falling literally in the Chiefs press room. That is something that happened Sunday at Arrowhead. But, like, I don't know. I don't care how bad it is for Kansas City right now. I don't care how many points per game they're averaging less than last year or Matt Nagy versus Derek Bienamy or. If Kadarius Tony can line up in the state of Missouri or the state of Kansas again, like I don't care. They can't lose this game, Mark Gunnels. They're pay- they're playing the New England Patriots. This game you used to be in prime time way back when, but the Patriots are so darn bad that they don't even want to play them on Monday night anymore. Eight and five Chiefs, three and ten Patriots. Noon start, Sunday, December twelfth, from Foxborough. Three words: get right game.
10: Yeah, and this game to me it's not about the opponent it's about the Kansas City Chiefs and eliminating these self-inflicting wounds because that isn't that doesn't matter who you're playing if you're just doing things that beat yourself you know penalties offsides dropping ball dropping balls things of that nature so i just want to see a clean game cuz they're they're still moving the ball Aaron like they're still one of the top teams when it comes to efficiency like be, between the 20s but it's like when they get down there things just implode like they take a sack or an interception or a fumble it's always something weird happening can you clean that up you have this is the last quarter of the season four games left final month so and you're playing against lesser opponents so i do think it sets up well for them to get things right To build some momentum heading to the playoffs, because they're going to make the playoffs. I saw some people panicking and acting all crazy. Like, they're still going to win the division. Calm down. But the question is, can they get to that level where you're like, okay, they're playing championship-level football. They can go in and beat any team on any given day. Because right now, no, they're not showing that. I totally agree. I'm just projecting.
8: They haven't shown it to us all year. You've been projecting all year long about what they will be and what they can be when it clicks. We're going into week 15, Mark, and it has
10: not clicked yet. I mean, at some point, we got to just say this is who they are. That's not all the way true. They still have quality wins against the Jaguars. You beat the uh, Miami Dolphins. You beat... You know, they didn't score in the second half against the Dolphins. The defense had to win that game for you. And the Jags win was week two. You
8: okay. Week two.
10: Okay.
9: Dutles,
7: it wasn't even. Okay. Good. Like, come
9: on,
10: bro. So you're telling me a team led by. Okay. Let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Even if they beat the Patriots
8: you, me, by 45 points this weekend, I don't care. That's, that's in the same category as the, as the bears win for me, because it's not a good football team.
10: So, 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 you're telling me there's no game left that would impress you unless the Bengals, unless you count that game?
8: The only thing that would impress me the rest of the way is winning out. That would be the most impressive thing. Because right I now. How does
10: impress you, though? Because you don't even care about their opponent.
8: Because at that point, and when I mean went out, I mean like went out through Vegas. Not oh, went out. Oh, I you oh, <laughs> not not oh. went out through.
11: Oh, because okay.
8: even if you went out through and get to 12 and 5, that's still the same recipe as. Playing one home game in Wild Card Weekend, that game that could technically be an email
10: that we know is going to be. They can still get the one seed here. It's not that far-fetched. You just need the, the Ravens to lose twice. Have you seen their schedule? The Ravens play at Jacksonville this week. Then at the Niners, they play the Dolphins and the Steelers. They can't go two and two in that stretch. And you just need Miami to lose one more game. They play the Cowboys, the Bills. In the Ravens.
8: There was a point in time in where Rasheed Rice was telling Sky Moore where to line up this past Sunday. Like that, that that's that's where we are. <laughs> that's where we are with this offense still. Like, like I don't like, I'm not looking at anybody else's schedule. I don't care about their backup quarter, but like all this other stuff is semantics to me. Until you can get your own house in order, I'm not looking anywhere
10: else. Beat the Patriots. Nothing else matters right now. So, Aaron Ladd, the journalist from Mizzou, is telling you guys that he's being closed minded and nothing the chiefs do these last four games will change his mind on if they are a Super Bowl contender or not, no matter if they win by forty in every game I think i'm just being
8: I think mind. I'm just being realistic about where they are i mean it, this kind of reminds me of and this is this is still football but college football like alabama coming into this year right dynasty but we knew this year wasn't their best year talent wise they don't have the overwhelming talent on the field that they used to have to just o- overwhelm and beat teams off the bus like for casey they don't have overwhelming talent at all they didn't game. have it last year but they had service but they had better talent than they do now what just juju juju's part of it yes who else I think that they were a better team last year than they are this year. Also, coaching wise.
11: Oh, okay. They,
10: that's that's the only other angle you can go with because the roster. is – They had a bad pretty, cop in the room. The roster's pretty much the same. I mean, you Juju drew, drew left and you inserted Rasheed Rice. I mean, it's not like and defensively you got more talent this year. So. I mean,
8: Since we've been recording on Tuesdays, we haven't had our normal Wednesday injury report, but we're definitely keeping an eye on the availability of Isaiah Pacheco, who missed this last week. I think Tracy Wolfson even had a report that she was the one who did the sidelines for this game, right? I don't want yes, to make correct, it, attribute it to the right person that he was yeah. having trouble lifting his arm in the week leading up to practice, which could be noteworthy. And honestly, if it's a new England team that you feel confident about beating on the road with how Clyde played last week, I think he was another bright spot to go along with, with Wanda Morris. Like, I think this could be a week where you're without Isaiah Pacheco once again, but it, Beat New England, man. I I, I don't. <laughs> Let's take a look at the AFC playoff picture. I'm moving kind of fast because I want us to get all these voicemails in before uh, we hop out of here on, on episode 68. You think the Chiefs have a legit route to the number one seed? Um, and it's there. Nick Wright posted something about it on, on X this week. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Do you have it?
10: I don't have it on me right now. Wow. This second, I mean, I, you're the you're the host here. <laughs>
8: <laughs> <laughs> the Chiefs pass in a one seed, however slim, just opened up a bit with the Miami loss. If KC wins out against New England, Vegas, Cincinnati, and the Chargers, Miami loses one of the last Final Four against the Jets, Cowboys, Baltimore, or Buffalo, and Baltimore loses two of their Final Four. It's tough but not impossible. I think Casey ends up in that 2-3 range in the AFC. I think they win the first playoff game and then uh Mahomes has to go on the road uh for the first time in his career.
10: I mean, it's very possible. I, I have the Chiefs winning out for disclosure. Shocking. I mean, they're going to be <laughs> they're going to be
7: <laughs> breaking news.
10: <laughs> they they legit Maybe a touchdown or more favorite in every game. The only one I'm not sure about is Cincinnati, but it is in Kansas City. So, they'll be – You're not worried about Denver at all? No. Why would you worry about Denver if I control my own destiny? Let me
8: give you some numbers on Denver really quick.
10: Go ahead. Shoot them to me.
8: Since week seven, the Denver Broncos are 6-1, and one, allowing 15.5 points per game an opposing quarterback rating of 36.5, and have 18 takeaways. That's since week seven. All those are top three numbers in the league.
10: Okay. I mean, uh, congratulations. Congratulations to the Denver Broncos. You're finally back to being a a competent football team. You (laughs) went from being unwatchable to watchable. Congrats!
8: Don't do, don't be dismissive, guy. Because if I pulled up those same numbers for KC, you would be trying to paint a different picture. Talking about, oh, well, they still have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and until they get beaten that whole, like, bro, they're playing better ball than KC is right now. That's fine. So you got to win in the division. No, but I would be worried. I would be yellow light. I, I, I mean, your your lead has evaporated. You are not playing well enough offensively to overlook any opposing quarterback at this point i think the defense has regressed just a small bit now that they're playing worse ball but i think teams are coming in with an express game plan like the plan this week for Buffalo was to exploit Kansas City's second level. Like the linebackers were getting ragtagged around the field. Nick Bolton had a rusty first quarter and some change. Eventually, made some plays down the stretch, but teams are finding ways to exploit Kansas City's defense. And since the offense can't score more than three touchdowns, like <laughs> you can lose to
10: anybody any given Sunday. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. But I, I do not in- see a world. Especially for this week where the Chiefs lose to the New England Patriots. I I just don't. And I I think your next two are get right games because the Raiders just lost three to nothing at home to the Minnesota Vikings who just benched their quarterback, Joshua Dobbs. (laughs) That was a good story for a couple weeks. You know, when Antonio Pierce said the feel good vibes, smoking cigars in the lock. Well, smoking blunts if you're a Max. Crosby what's in that? the locker room you said what what's the blunt <laughs> anyway uh but <laughs> yeah so <laughs> but uh, that story has definitely died down I mean that was I didn't I didn't watch none of that game obviously but three to how three to nothing bro. when I scrolled on the ticker I know you were you were at the game but mm-hmm. I kept seeing it like is that a typo how is it zero zero in the third quarter <laughs> that game was crazy, bro. But, yeah, man, everything is still in front of the Chiefs. It really, truly is. I mean, even if you're the two seed, that still doesn't mean the Arrowhead Invitational is off. Because in the last five years, they weren't the one seed all five years. They are only one seed three of the five years. Because, obviously, the one seed lost before the conference championship. So, that is still in play, whether you're the one seed or not. I think people kind of forget that.
2: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
3: Okay, that leads us on nicely to the Chiefs at the Patriots. Now, this is the old enemy. This is the old enemy for me. I don't care if they're crap the shit. They're still the old enemy to me. I've never liked them, never will like them. And uh, we've we've got a, a... a Bill Belichick, who is completely barraged at the moment, isn't he, with uh, the fact that the team hasn't been playing well, although they did win in the last game. Um what are you laughing at?
11: I just I want to know what team you hate more out of Sunderland and the New England Patriots.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't I really don't know because that that Sunderland one was quite deep rooted, I must admit. Um and it has been for a while. And we've actually got them in the cup. I know, well. I've seen so uh, it's going to yeah. be an interesting one for that. Um, but
11: cool. you did answer my question
3: though. Which, I, which I, I, I honestly don't know. I think I, well, I think
11: a, Patriot, a Patriots and a Sunderland fan walks into a bar. Which one are you most likely to hear, and which one are you most likely to buy a drink? And I tell you what. To make it even easier, the Patriots fan hasn't got an American accent.
3: Has he got a Brady shirt on? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm hitting him first.
6: <laughs> <laughs> if you want some, I'll give it you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's a it's a New England Patriots fan with a Brady shirt. and He doesn't know who the quarterback is now. Does, <laughs> does anyone him. know
11: who the quarterback is right
3: now? <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. No. No, exactly. Zappy, that's right. A good point. Is that the guy. Yeah. Zappy.
11: <laughs> yeah. That,
3: I would love to just get another win on against these guys. Um. I know it's still led by Bill Bill Belichick, but Brady's run off into the distance. But it's the Patriots uniform, man. I just I just see red when I see it.
11: I think it's one of the better uniforms in the NFL, though.
3: Don't.
11: Don't even start. Don't. It not is. having it. But they're, they're, both their blue and their red one, even their white one, are one of the better
3: uniforms in the NFL. You've like, got something also... with white uniforms, haven't you? You like but, white uniforms.
11: But their red one's very good. Like, it's very clean now. Their uniform, like I know, things a bit well, you're doing a preview, talking about uniforms. But I think it's relevant when it comes to them because it's the, be- because <laughs> it is the best. Because it's the best thing about <laughs> it's the best thing about their team right now. And <laughs> like their old uniforms, the ones that Brady used to wear mm. with like the logo or stuff, crap, yeah. awful. But they they went a bit cleaner a few years ago and a bit sharper. And I've f- I've in the Patriots uniform. Is a thing of beauty. Like if the Patriots rock their blue on Sunday and then we rock out there in all whites, I'll have a. That's
3: not a stiff drink.
11: <laughs> um, I don't know if you can keep that in the podcast, but we'll I'll find you out. Really when you go edit. down in
3: my estimations, Tom. will find really out when it.
11: you edit it tomorrow. But, um, <laughs> Tom, we need to pull you into HR. Why is that? You said on the podcast. <laughs> Oh, no Brad left it in. <laughs> yeah. He told me he wasn't going to. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said, son.
3: Uh... <laughs> well, we've got to talk about the Patriots because I mean they, they've had a terrible season, but com- by their standards, it is a terrible season. But I think a lot of the fans seem to be accepting the fact now that this is what who they are, and I think they're actually more excited now that they're actually looking forward to the draft, a high position in the draft. To select their next Tom Brady, who they ne- Tom Brady never got picked, and they obviously they are that high up in the draft. So I don't know why they're all really excited about this, but they just seem as though I think they've accepted the fate in this. And yeah, they don't want to win this game. They don't draft. want to win this game. They really they're
11: don't. Want, they want as high a draft pick as possible. But and I think they're going to get it. Like I don't think they're going to win many more than one game no. this season. They certainly aren't going to win on Sunday. But um, I think you, you you look at this team and. There's been a, some news this week about the future of Bill Belichick. Apparently, it's been reported that oh, yeah. made his mind up after the game against the Colts in Germany that Belichick was no longer going to be the coach. And I, I, I understand why, because they have performed terribly and they haven't been particularly good since Tom Brady left. But we spoke about it briefly last week on the podcast. We kind of went a bit early on the uh, Bill Belichick Patriots talk last week, last week's show. But I still don't think it's the right call to do. I I, I I still believe that if you're the Patriots, you should hang on to Bill Belichick um, because defensively they are still a, a, a very good team and they have that potential to be a good team. I think where his flaws are is picking an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. And like, yes, Mac Jones hasn't been great. Yes, Bailey Zappi's played a little bit better yeah. since he came in, but the offense is just a bit meh. And I'm not seeing here saying, "Oh, an offensive coordinator is going to come in and make Mac Jones good." Like, no, he's not. Mac Jones isn't a very good quarterback. Yeah. But if you've got Bill Belichick, a decent offensive coordinator, and say Caleb Williams, then you stand a chance of winning games. I, I just I I think it's such a hard thing for a team to do to pair a rookie potentially rookie head coach with a rookie quarterback with a new offensive coordinator. I I, I mm-hmm. that's a big old gamble in one here. Now, if you keep Belichick and you get the quarterback and the quarterback turns out to be great, but the team's still being a bit crap, then you fire him a year from now. Mm. Or, on the flip side, if you get the wrong quarterback, but you're still playing well because you got Belichick, then you've kind of made the right decision. You go after a new quarterback. I just think if you're a craft, yes, you're looking for something to spark the team, but a quarterback can do that in himself. You don't need the coach to do that. Like We've seen how quarterbacks can come in and just breathe a breath of fresh air into a club. Mm. It's very rare that a coach comes in and hits the ground running straight away it does happen yeah. but it's rare there's always going to be that teething period with a coach don't t- pair that teething period with a callback a mm. rookie callback because i can't think i'm trying i'm struggling here to last time where it really really worked out like i suppose you could say D'Amico ryan's and cj stroud this year has worked out yeah very well i suppose for the texans but in general it doesn't have the effect I can think of one
3: of them it, no. yeah.
11: so if I'm the Patriots I stick with Bill and I roll the dice on a new offensive coordinator and the quarterback unless of course Kraft doesn't trust but, uh, Bill to pick the right quarterback that's... because obviously he's GM there as well so that that, that, that yeah. could be the issue there. maybe they need. Maybe they just need an overhaul and they just say right Bill you are head coach that is your job though when you have anything to do with the offence and we don't want you to pick any players in the draft. Leave that to a GM, and they go down route. I don't know.
3: I think Bill Belichick's earned the right to have a little more time to actually work something with this Patriots team because I mean he, he was so dominant for so long, wasn't he? I mean, you know, two decades of success that he's had. Um, yeah, a lot of people attribute all those uh, successes to the fact that he had Tom Brady, but. You know, he had a, a quarterback there that was like way down in the draft and suddenly became out to be one of these, you know, all-time greats. And I honestly thought that it was Bill, Pre- Bill Belichick that got the best out of Tom Brady. But clearly over the last couple of seasons, I suppose, that we've seen the Patriots not do so well. A lot of the daggers are out now for Bill Belichick because they're thinking, well, he's probably not all that at all. Mm. But I honestly think he needs more time. And if Kraft has decided to pull the plug on it, I think it's a sad end. I think it's a really sad end for a, such a uh, a well revered porch. And the other question I've got is, who do they replace him with? I mean,
11: there's always a cycle of guys, isn't there? There's yeah, there, but who, who is who are the next hot things? You have got Ben Johnson in Detroit, who's their offensive coordinator. A lot of people are uh tipping him as the next head coach potentially I can tell you one thing he's definitely not Matt Nagy. Um E B <laughs> never know maybe but apparently like Ron Rivera might be out in Washington. So yeah interesting see what happens there. Like do they fire the enemy at the same time or do they promote the enemy to head coach? Hmm. So potentially he could be available but then is that again too much of a risk for Kraft to be enemy new callback like, I I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested to see like who goes around on the hiring cycle this year. Like Dave tube's name's not going to be uh, towered about that, that's for sure. I still don't think St- Steve Spagnuolo is going to be linked to a head coaching job, even though he probably should be based on this year. Like if he, if Spagnuolo wasn't the chief's defensive coordinator, he absolutely would be in the running for head coaching jobs this year.
3: Yeah. If, is if, he pushing for that though? Is he is he that kind I of guy know. who is he really looking at head coaching jobs or is he just thinking? No, I'm quite happy with doing what I'm doing. He 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 may think oh, I've been there, done that, and it yeah. didn't work out first time.
11: Maybe his ceiling in his own personal view is being a defensive coordinator and being a very good one at that. Hmm. Um, so yeah, maybe that's where he feels. But back to the Patriots, I, I I'm intrigued by them. I I I should imagine that the reports coming out are true and that he is gone at the end of the season yeah um i just don't necessarily agree with it um i think that the gm thing is too much for him i don't think he's very good at that especially on the offensive side of the ball but um certainly defensively i think they've shown enough that they can still be a decent team if they had the right offensive input
3: Mm. externally yeah um just looking at the uh, the stats of the team at the minute, um, it, it, I mean, it hasn't looked good for a while, has it? I mean, I suppose the, the, the good thing that's come out of this year for the Patriots has been um, they have been doing pretty OK with the run game. I mean, obviously, Ramondre Stevenson was injured recently and they have to obviously had to lead, lean on Ezekiel Elliott, who actually played really well in the last game, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um and they have had a quarterback issue, which they don't know which quarterback they're going to be playing. Uh, Zappi's obviously seems to be one of those players that um, a lot of fans really thought he was going to be the one. Um, Mac Jones has been the guy that's, he's been the guy that has just been the main guy. <laughs> I can't really say anything else about Mac he's Jones. now. He's out.
11: He's not been playing, has he? He's no, bad. he's not. Exactly. He's you know,
3: bad. he's been the main guy for quite some time. Um, but I mean, how do the Patriots win this game against the Chiefs? Because yeah, you're right. The defense seems to be doing pretty well, but they're not. They haven't been scoring points in the last few games. A lot of points, at least. They did win in the, in the last game. They did, but, um, but the, the, the three games prior to that, they were single digits. Yeah,
11: they, they were the first team since 1938. Yeah, we about last week, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We, yeah. we should <laughs> we should just input the uh, the uh, five, ten minute chat we had last week into just this splice
3: this that in. Yeah, broadcast. why not?
11: Um, how do they win this game? What what is their route to winning this game?
3: Defensive I th- touchdowns.
11: I mean, <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's gonna have to be the Patriots doing a number of some kind again on Patrick Mahomes.
5: Yeah.
11: They've had relative success against Mahomes previously. They're a bit like the Broncos in that mm. respect, whenever they've had success for periods of games against Mahomes, where before it kind of didn't matter because Mahomes of yesteryear could put up twenty-eight points in a single half. Mm. Now we know that this Chiefs offense isn't capable of that this year. So if the Patriots do continue their success against Mahomes Belichick in particular, then there's a there's a potential for the Chiefs to only score 13, 16 points this 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 mm. this week. But that's probably going to be enough.
9: No, it's funny we're. 30 minutes into this pod I feel like they're getting closer man and I know that it like there have been some that have been saying this throughout the season you mean the offense
7: or the yeah or the senior, Sheer oh. I
9: had his highest set I, of the season I really feel like and I it's not all the way there to what they were and I think that's what some Chiefs fans just need to give up right now it's not going to be that again like we are this is a very different version of the Chiefs and it doesn't have to be what they were when it was Mahomes winning the MVP, throwing it all around the yard to Tyreek and Sammy and Kelsey. Like it does not have to be that kind of offense. If this team consistently gets to 24 plus points, they will consistently win football games because of how good the defense is. Because even against Josh Allen, man, like Josh Allen threw for 230 yards in that game. He didn't have this, all-world type of performance stefan diggs had 24 yards on 11 targets the defense was really really good in that game and you didn't quite have enough to be able to get it together but i felt like there were moments ron where i was like okay I kind of see how this could work. Kelsey looked more like himself. she Rice, to Serta's point, looked like a legitimate go-to guy in the receiving game. He's still going to make mistakes. He's going to line up in the wrong spot. He's going to run the wrong route. Like It's going to be frustrating, and if you have him out there 85% of the time, you're going to see more of that stuff. But they're getting closer. The running game, I think, is coming together. I thought Clyde had a pretty good game overall. I know the numbers aren't going to jump off the page, 11 for 39, but I thought he was pretty good. And if you have Isaiah Pacheco get back before the playoffs, I think the running game could be really good by the time you get there. It's just about eliminating not even all of them, but some of these critical mistakes in critical moments. And if they can do that, man... I think this team is still right there. And I think they could get the number one seed still. And I think that they could go to the Super Bowl and then let's see where the chips fall whenever you get there. But it's it's not as far as it feels like right now, even though most of the conversation coming off of that game, justifiably so, is about
7: the mistakes that they made. It's not as far off. And there were some signs there. And you can also, in your mind, say, what would it be? had Pacheco have also been in that game what like how different even though Clyde was good but how different it may be if Pacheco was in the game but i would ask you what stopped it because when we look up at the end it was still 17 points right and that's what they're averaging in their last 6 games 19 points excuse me what what stopped them because i would i would wonder if what you would say stopped them BK is the thing that's been the issue for them all year long, right? like the, as you said, the critical errors, the mistakes that stopped them from to getting to seventeen, right? And you can count them up from penalties, from miscommunications, from the red zone being problematic. Like it, we 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 watched those things become the reason why they struggle. Which I think gets to to my point is I'm with you. I think that this team still can get to the Super Bowl. Like and, and I don't care. Like home road, I don't think that matters. I think this team can still get to the Super Bowl, and and it is why. Like I just it it it's like there's certain narratives and theories that we are hearing and running around the Chiefs, and to the point you're making is the theory is how slim the margin of error is for the Chiefs. Like that's the dogs. The Chiefs just can't. The Chiefs can't make up. They get a penalty and they get set back. Actually, I've watched them the last couple of weeks be able to pick up third down in 18, uh, pick up long They gave it. Kelsey and Mahomes made a play in this game. They did it against the Packers and picked up. I've seen it. The, 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 the problem with it and why that narrative to me is not real, that their margin of error is so big, is I think they are, are so short. I think they are showing and proving week after week their margin of error is a lot bigger than we think it is because they are so close and so into every one of these games, win or lose, like close games, like the ones against the Eagles and the Bills that they lost or close games like the ones against the Jags or uh, the Dolphins that they've won, the Jets that they've won. is They, as you said, they make so many errors. Like, it's not like, oh, dang, they had one turnover and that one turn- turnover missed it. Oh, like, like, it, it, like back in the day was a time for, hey, them 2003 years, those Dick Vermeil offenses, I mean, they got to score every single time because if they don't, they're going to mess up because the other team is going to keep scoring. It's not like that. It's not. As you said, we just look at this game alone offensively. They got a pick in the first drive where they're in 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 scoring zone. They got a kicker who's never missed. They're at thirty yard line, not being stopped. They got a pick there that ends a the drive. They roll in, they hit it. They get a Creed Humphrey penalty in the or nearing the red zone that pushed them back as a holding penalty. I mean, you know, Jawan is just good for two a game. I mean, he's just flat out, and you just go ahead and pencil those in and know those are coming. Rasheed Rice has a fumble in this bad boy. Constant, I, I counted at least four times there was a flat-out miscommunication, different read. Two with Kelsey, one in the red zone with Kelsey, where that could have been a pick because they were completely off base on that. The first drive of the game with Kelsey, they, they saw something different. A third down and 12, where again, MVS is floating open. Although he throws it behind him, somebody's off. Sky Moore right before the play that preceded the Rasheed Rice fumble. Sky Moore was 12 yards away wide open in the ball. They, they didn't connect. Like, they just have so many of them each game. And then we get to the Kadarius-Tony one to kick it off and finish it. They have so many every game. Like you said, hell, if they just made five mistakes instead of the 11 mistakes, that they make they will win like everybody everybody shows these cute pictures of of sky Moore missing the catch against the broncos and and uh and tony missing the catch that led to the the pick six and they lost the game and, and and mvs dropping the ball there are a lot of other pictures that we can show in all of those games that are mistakes made whether it's drops whether it's miscommunications whether it's wrong routes as you said whether it's he'll lining up wrong before the snap even starts whether it's just countless penalties their margin of error is bigger than we give it credit for i I mean they they they, the reason is because they've mostly been successful offensively
9: ron it's weird like they're fourth in the league in average time of possession per drive they're third in plays per drive they're sixth in yards per drive they're eighth in points per drive the problem is. They turn the ball over at the fifth highest rate in the NFL so far this year. Like they they just they end their own drives. They're doing so much correct, and then it's like bang, there it goes, right out from underneath you. Like it's, said, it's right there, dude. They just have got to stop doing the stupidest
7: possible thing in the worst possible moment. Oh, the Chiefs can't overcome like they used to. They almost beat the Philadelphia Eagles, a bona fide Super Bowl team. They didn't score in the second half. They fumbled in the red zone. They threw an interception in the red zone. They had penalties that stopped them from getting into field goal range. Like, they did all of those things <laughs> and almost beat the Eagles, who have been the number one team in the league all year. Don't the tell the me thing there. is,
9: though, Ron, like – I think the reason why people say that the margin of error is thin, and I'm actually one of them, is because I don't think those things are just going to get cleaned up. Like, I I tend to believe this this is their identity now. Like, we can no longer say, hey, if they just clean up all of this stuff, it's not getting cleaned up. This is who they are. This is what the personnel is. This is what the coaching staff is. These are the mistakes that they're going to make. Now, you can limit them. You have fewer of these mental mistakes or physical mistakes on a weekly basis. And instead of having, say it's 10 a game offensively, maybe it becomes seven. Yeah. And so like your margin of error is still razor thin because all of these games are being decided for the most part by one score, which means it's real close either way, depending on if you have those seven or 10 mental mistakes that basically determines the outcome of the game. Or if you're able to create multiple multiple turnovers defensively, which, by the way, they haven't done that since week seven against the Chargers. That would be really helpful right about now. Um, But those are the kinds of things that play. help teeter your direction like in favor of the Chiefs. And it just hasn't been happening often enough in recent weeks. So uh, I do think they have a small margin for error, but I think that's because a lot of the things that like cause that margin for error or things that I don't think are going to get fixed at this point.
0: And so there's five teams ahead of the chiefs right now in terms of total turnovers on the season, Cleveland Browns number one, Las Vegas Raiders, Minnesota Vikings, New York jets, Washington commanders. None of those teams are in the same ballpark as the chiefs. Like I get that the Browns have a, have a good record and Joe Flacco is kind of a cool story right now. Record
7: as the chiefs.
0: and ja- jacksonville and buffalo right behind them because both of teams have struggled with turnovers uh especially josh allen but it's it but but it, it is there like you can see the positives like you can see the things that that matter trending and you know even if it's microscopic trending in the right direction a small bit every week if they can just stop having the crucial mistakes and that's it that's that's turnovers like you're going to get penalties in the fourth quarter of a game when you need to go put up seven to you know tie the game or whatever like that's going to happen that's inevitable in the NFL but the the real problem is that the turnovers always seem to come when they have an opportunity to like get back into a game or take a lead or or really extend a lead like when you feel like when you feel feel like they're finally starting to turn a corner and you're like yes this is what we've been looking for for weeks then they throw an interception, then they fumble the ball, then something bad happens. And that's like, can they just get over that hump and you're going to turn it over. Occasionally that happens in the NFL. You're going to get penalties, but can they actually get over the hump in a game where it feels like, okay, you can put this thing away right here, right now on this drive. That always seems to be when they make the dumb mistakes, when they go three and out, when they, when they turn the football over, like, that's the issue this season is that in years past, I think that Travis Kelsey even helped cover some of that stuff up because he was so incredible, but Kelsey hasn't been quite the same player this I think, season.
7: I, I I think we got to also, what you said, cover stuff up. Man, those teams, I mean, we, we used to think the Chiefs were a little, they were a little loose. They weren't making mistakes at this rate. I mean, not like, like, like not all of them. Like we've seen some turnover things roll through, but it wasn't turnovers, penalties, uh just miss like like they meant every single potential big play in the passing game. They just miss.